Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 202 of the Maluli Asset Management Podcast. This is Tim Maluli. This is Brendan Maluli. I passed the test. Yeah, back for uh, for a second episode. We had Brendan on a couple episodes ago. If you remember our millennial-themed episode, all the questions had sort of a younger feel to it, and it was appropriate with me and Brendan here in the office. Right, so they used the first-round draft pick on me, and I'm going to be <laughs> starting in center field now for Maluli Asset Management. So. Here we go. Just throwing them to the wolves, you yeah. know. No time in the minors, just stepping right up to the plate. <laughs> we'll see if uh, I'm ready. Yeah, we're going to give Tom a break. Uh, every once in a while, we'll have we'll have Brendan in here with us, but we're going to keep the same format for the podcast as we've been doing with Tom. Uh, we get questions into, we call it our mailbag. Uh, they, readers, uh, listeners... To our blog posts and podcasts and videos, they write these questions into us, uh, into the website, and we do our best to answer them. And we just want you to know that it's it's nothing specific here in terms of you know individual specific uh, recommendations or advice. We're we don't have much information on these people, and you know we're uh, we're just working with what we're given. So again, it's it's just general broad advice. So keep that in mind when uh when we're answering these questions right we're just broadly discussing just two guys sitting at a table doing uh what they love talking about investments and finance for people but no specific advice here really just uh spitballing so to speak i mean if you hear a question that applies to you and you want some more specific advice feel free to get in touch with us we'd be happy to have a meeting with you in person but that's what we do right we we do that for a living but we need to we need a tangible person here in order to dispense uh actual investment advice right so i wouldn't take anything we say here specifically to heart to you uh unless you you know come in here and, and talk to us on a more personal basis so we can get to know you a little bit better first so with that we're gonna jump in we got a just a handful of questions here today. The first question asks, should I continue to contribute towards my retirement or pay off my debt in a bull market? The summary says, I'm contributing a small amount towards my retirement, $2,500 annually, even though it could go towards paying off my debt. Now that we are in a bull market, should I continue retirement contributions or stop until we hit a bear market? Even though paying more principal on my debt will help, my retirement accounts only have to earn 4.78% to offset the 17% interest on my debt. So, Bren, what do you, what's your initial thought on this question? What do you think this person should or shouldn't do? Or the important points to take home? Right. I understand where they're coming from because they're being rewarded for putting money in the stock market right now. So basically, they want to know, like, you know, should I keep doing that as long as it continues, which is, you know, it's a good question. I wish I had the answer to, like, you know, how long will a bull market continue for? Everybody wishes they knew that. Um, I think one point specifically that stands out to me is is talk of, uh, 
you know, sending money in while it's a bull market and then like flipping to paying down debt in a bear market. And I think that it's probably even more important to continue saving regularly, continue with your regular investment plan uh, in a bear market than it is a bull market. Because what you're doing is dollar cost averaging and the benefit of dollar cost averaging comes from buying as the market goes down. Right. So buying during a bear market is ultimately going to help yeah. with if your dollar cost averaging in, it's going to it's help more you. advantageous than buying during a bull market. Right. Uh, another point that I picked out was saying that my retirement accounts only have to earn 4.78% to offset the 17% interest on my debt. That is oddly specific, yeah. But I'm I'm not sure where the logic is behind it. I we again we may be missing information. So this person could be uh, entirely correct in that assumption. But but normally I would think that the the debt is uh, there's there's two two numbers here, but they're they're different numbers in a sense that seventeen percent interest on your debt is is fixed, right? That you're, was the word I was searching for. Right. That's perfect. You're going to be paying 17... That's 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 not changing. Right. You're paying 17% interest on that debt. You have to earn at least 4.78% in your retirement accounts in the market. And as we all know, the stock market, nothing is guaranteed. There's right. no guarantee that every year you're going to earn at least 4.78% to offset that interest payment. Yeah, that could end up being like your your long term average after like 20 30 years you could earn, you let's say you know 5 5% maybe you did earn 5% annually after 20 30 years of investing but that doesn't mean that every single year like clockwork you put your 5% in the bank because if it were that easy uh quite frankly people might not need our help yeah exactly <laughs> i wish it i wish it were that easy for everybody but but that's not how it works the market doesn't go in straight lines um, so even, and we're working under the assumption that that math is correct, uh, that that's all it would take that 4.78% to offset the 17% interest on the debt, uh, which I don't totally buy, but, uh, maybe it's right. But, but Tim is, is correct in, in his advice there that you, you don't, you don't want to take, uh, market returns as something that is, uh, you know, concrete or locked in. You know, where the debt is, you're paying right. that seventeen percent on on the debt, uh, regardless. Right. You can make zero percent or negative in a year in the market. You're still going to have to pay that seventeen percent interest. Right. Your interest doesn't care how your market, how your portfolios did that year in the market. Right. And so, I mean, going back to just the main part of the question was, uh, sh should I contribute towards my retirement or pay off my debt in a bull market? Uh, I would just drop the end of that sentence in a bull market. And if you got debt that is at some kind of high interest rate, like 17%, I think it's a no-brainer to get rid of that before you save for retirement or you know, maybe even before or in conjunction with saving for something like an emergency fund. That, that debt is negatively compounding your net worth. And it will continue forever and ever, and it will eat you alive if you don't take care of it. So Right. And instead of letting the interest you know, accrue every year and only paying down, you know, what you have to offset the interest, right. you could just, and, and also from a mentality standpoint, you know, why would you want to, if you have the ability to stop contributing towards your retirement for say a, a year or so, 
use that extra cash to pay off the debt, then you don't have that black cloud of, of debt hanging over your shoulder every day when you're walking around, you know, at the end of the day, you don't have that looming in the back of your mind, like, oh, I still have to pay off this debt. Right. You know, so whatever, and so whatever uh, money you swing towards, uh, you know, the debt to pay that off, and a great habit would be at the end of that, when the debt is paid off, then you then you do probably want to flip that to going into your retirement account or whatever kind of vehicle you're using to save for your future because it's somewhat painless. That right. money has already been gone out the door every month when you get your paycheck. That's been paying down the debt. And now you're doing something very positive for yourself, flipping that into, uh, in, in, into some kind of a savings plan. And with that debt gone, you know that it is a positive for you. You don't you won't have to answer that question, am I doing the right thing by saving for retirement when I have this debt because the debt will be gone. Right. So let's move on. The uh the second question we have here today asks, when should I switch my very aggressive asset allocation to a moderate one? The summary says, in my 403b, I've accumulated 150,000 and still contributing and have an all equity fund allocation. I'm currently 47 years old and thinking of changing my allocation to a moderate one 10 years from retirement and then to a conservative one in retirement. Is that a sound plan or too risky of one? Okay. Well, I like that the the changes in asset allocation seem to be based more on uh, a specific life event in the future, like retirement, and they're not asking, you know... Uh, can hey, I change mar- my aggressive allocation to moderate, like before the next uh, before the next crash? Right. It, they're not asking. Hey, the market's up twenty percent this year. Can I, you know, get more aggressive? Or should we get more moderate because I'm nervous because that you it's think gonna it's going to go down eventually or going to continue upwards? Exactly. Uh, so not based on market movements, which is like phase one of of what we discuss with clients when when we're you know getting a, getting an idea of what their risk tolerance may be. So that makes me happy. Me too. Risk tolerance isn't something that you want to be swinging back and forth with every up and downturn in the market. Exactly. One thing that this person does need to consider, though, is when you... They're talking about going from aggressive to moderate and then to conservative over, over time. But with some with some planning help, they can really map out how long they need this money to last, and it would help them determine when to kind of pull back on the risk in their allocation when that would be appropriate to do because they might need to live on this money and whether they're retired or not if they need this money to continue to grow so they don't outlive their money they might still need to have a little bit of of risk in that account to to let it grow you can't get too conservative because then you're slowing down the amount of returns that you're going to get in your account and you'll have ultimately, most likely, less money to live on in retirement. Right. You you don't want to completely flip the switch from, you know, a stock heavy allocation to a bond heavy allocation, or you know, whatever the conservative one is going to look like, just because uh, you retire. Like Tim said, you want to have a plan uh, that that maps out how long the money is going to have to last for, and in what amounts you're going to need it, and when, and and that's really going to dictate. Uh, more what what the asset allocation needs to be to accomplish those things. So we're talking about you know goal driven uh, investment planning here, and this is something we do for our clients because we we think it's more valuable than trying to guess uh, what the allocation should look like based on the market environment. 
we need we need to accomplish something for a client we need to accomplish x how are we going to get there that's really what you want to dig into more more so than uh you know just saying i'm retired i need to get conservative or you know the market's doing this let's get aggressive or conservative or whatever it may be right because there's there's sometimes two different dates in a person's life it could be when they retire is one date and then when they start withdrawing money from the account is another date some people may not depending on the accounts and their their money situation they might not be withdrawing funds from a certain account for five or maybe even 10 years or longer. You never know. Right. And this person, uh, just as a good example, says that this is a 403B. Uh, A lot of times, uh, just to Tim's point, those end up being for teachers. This is a person that may be collecting a pension and may not need the 403B money right away to supplement their living. So you want to make sure that uh, for some people, retirement and beginning to withdraw money, is it aligns. It's the same date, but sometimes it's not. Right. So all things to consider here in that situation. Um, but definitely, you know, a good question, at least this person is thinking about their portfolios and getting closer to retirement. So it's good that that topic is on, on the top of their minds. Um, but there are some things that they need to consider, you know, moving forward. Right. So the next question that we have here is somewhat similar to the first question, but uh, has a little bit of a different details to it. The question asks, should I invest or pay off my debt? Seems very broad uh, just on the surface here, but there's there's a few details in here that'll help us you know, get more granular um, with this situation. The summary says, I have around $35,000 in mutual funds, but more than twice that in student loans. Should I use my mutual funds to pay down my loan or should I keep my funds as investments and grow them? about 35,000 in mutual funds and twice that. So, I mean, we're talking about like $70,000 roughly uh, in student loans. Uh, I would be interested to know what interest rate that debt is at. Uh, Sometimes student loans, depending on on where they came from, have somewhat low interest rates. uh, And and you do, well, we'll we'll see. This is one of the things on the table in uh, the new tax proposal. But uh, you do get to deduct some student loan interest that you get every year. I think I think you can deduct up to twenty five hundred dollars of that on on your tax returns. So uh, there isn't really great debt, but it is a little advantageous to have some student student loan debt. It's not a necessity to completely pay it off, but that is a big amount. And uh, you know, I I think that taking into account the interest rates maybe a kind of situation where where yeah it would make sense to uh get rid of some of those and uh it, it wouldn't necessarily help their personal balance sheet uh in in the short term it would feel worse to to use that investment capital to pay down debt but it would uh it would improve their overall financial picture to have half of the debt that they had the day before they pay it down right and you know you said overall financial picture, and that got me thinking. Like we said in the beginning, we don't have all the details here mm-hmm. on these people, so we don't really know. It's hard to truly answer the question that they're asking without knowing everything else. We don't know what kind of cash flow this person has on a monthly basis and Good whether point. or not the debt is accruing because of the interest at an outrageous rate that they can't you know, pay off or can't handle on a monthly basis, but... If you know if they're managing the debt and it's not out of control, 
maybe it would be okay to leave the money in the mutual funds. Uh, one thing that popped into my head when you were speaking uh, was that uh, we don't know, like, how did this $35,000 in, in mutual fund investments accrue? Uh, if that is like a regular savings plan and the the student loan debts are, let's say, being paid at the minimum every month, like, you know, you send in $1,000 a month or something towards uh, the student loan debt, could be the kind of situation where instead of what it seems like they're suggesting, taking the lump sum to pay down student loan debt, maybe instead of that, you could swing the cash flow that you're sending towards the investments to also to just like add some uh, a layer on top of whatever you're already paying towards the student loans so that they get paid down quicker, but you keep that lump sum in the investments and, and continue letting it grow for your future. Um, again, probably need more information to, to make you know, uh, a better assessment of the situation. But, but these are, these are the kind of things that are popping into our heads as, as we're reading this kind of a question. Right. So there's definitely more to this one, but, uh, you know, as we've said over and over again, we would just need more information. So with that, we're, we're going to move on to our final question of the episode, which asks, should I stop contributing to my 401k and build up my cash? I know what you're thinking. This kind of sounds like the other questions as well, but this one's a little more nuanced, this, though. Yes, there's a there's a few more details in this one than the other questions. The summary says I am 55 years old and losing my job in six months. My wife and I have zero debt, $38,000 in cash, $14,000 in mutual funds, and $1.4 million in our IRAs. I want to accumulate a large cash cushion. Should I stop contributing to my 401k and just bank that money? My initial reaction to that is, if this person wants to build a large cash cushion, then build a large cash cushion. Yeah, you know? and you're going to want that liquidity, meaning like you don't want it in a retirement account. Exactly. Yeah, you want it in cash. You don't want it tied up in mutual funds or IRAs like they have or, or a 401k. Mm -hmm. um, so that is my... Uh, Cliff Notes answer <laughs> to that question is: If you want to build up cash, build up cash, and you know, Keep it stop. Liquid. Yeah, stop mm -hmm. contributing to that four hundred one k. But there, there is more to it that we could dive into. Yeah, uh, things that would be very helpful in terms of of giving a more specific answer would be, you know, what what are their expenses like? You know, because they have some cash. They have it says thirty eight thousand dollars in cash. Uh, it would be nice to know like on a monthly basis, like how many months expected is, is that going to cover them after the job is lost in six months? Right. Because as me and Tom have said on many, many questions on many podcasts here, general rule of thumb that we like to tell people is at least six months of expenses is what you want to have in cash liquid in the bank. Right. Just in case something happens, like this person said, they're losing their job in six months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and they have a little bit of a uh, advance notice. So if you have the ability to swing money that had been going into a 401k, uh, and, and put it in the bank instead to build up an extra, maybe that is six months of, of expenses for them. Maybe. Uh, but in the event that you're losing your job, you, you may want even more than that. Just have some flexibility. Uh, and, and obviously, uh, we don't know what the plan is. Um, uh, maybe this person is, uh, going to find a job afterward. I don't, not right. sure. Is is fifty five going to be like early retirement? Is is that how they're looking at this, or 
Uh, will there be another job? One thing that I don't want to dive too far into the weeds on, uh, but seems worth bringing up in, in this scenario, given all the money they have in IRAs, is uh, the ability to access that before age 59 and a half uh, without a 10% penalty. They could take something called substantially equal periodic payments. Um, there are a lot of like details that go into this, so it's probably something to discuss with not only a financial advisor, but but somebody who's either a CPA or very in touch with taxes. Um, you have to take these payments, the periodic payments. It's an equal amount that you have to take for a minimum of five years or until you turn 59 and a half. So for somebody who's 55, uh, this could be something to help bridge the gap until then where they can avoid a 10% penalty and get money from those, you know, pretty substantial 1.4 million in IRA money. Um, they, they could get into that if need be in, in case they, uh, they end up draining that 38,000 in cash, 14,000 in mutual funds and whatever else they're able to sock away over six months before this person loses their job. Um, substantially equal periodic payments. It's an option. There are three methods to determine what that equal amount is going to be that needs to come out uh, every year for a minimum of five years. Uh, but again, I don't want to dive too far into the weeds with this one. But but that is an option for them to keep in their back pocket in terms of uh, maybe maybe the job search doesn't go as quickly as planned and they're, they're running through uh, the savings that they have outside of the IRAs. There is a way around the 10% penalty. Obviously, any money that comes out will be taxable as ordinary income because uh, it's from an IRA, but they have a nice lump sum of money built up there. So, uh, you know, it, it would be a shame to not access that in the event of uh, an emergency. So that is there for them as an option. Right. So this person, you know, you have options. And like I said, if you, you know, you have six months left at this job, uh, if you want to build up cash, it seems like an okay idea to stop contributing to that 401k and just build up the cash at least for the next six months and then go from there. They could put it in a uh, storage unit like Walter White and right. go sit on top of their piles of cash. Exactly. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Maluli Asset Management Podcast. want to thank Brendan for coming on here again. We'll be uh, having him on more and more often just to you know, change things up a bit. So thanks for coming on, Bren. Thanks for having me. And uh, hopefully I can uh, continue to impress in future episodes. Yeah. Earn myself more playing time. Yes. So thanks again for listening and we will see you on the next episode. Hey, thanks for listening. Listen, I have a big favor to ask you and it might take you 30 seconds or less and it would mean a lot to me. If you like this podcast, please let me know and let the team know as well. And you can do this very easily by subscribing to the podcast. It's probably the biggest favor you can do for me right now, and it's really simple. Just go over to iTunes, search for Maluli Asset, and click subscribe. Again, it'll only take a few seconds to subscribe, and if you subscribe now, it'll really help me out a lot. Thanks again.